Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, September the 11th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, welcome to our podcast this week. Uh, interesting that I'd be talking to someone from New York on on the anniversary of 9-11, because this is anniversary this anniversary in New York are almost uh, in the same sentence, Bill. Yes. Uh, well, this is the 22nd, 22 years since um, uh, what happened happened. And I think any of us who were adults during that period, you know, these are cliches. We will never forget it. We know exactly where we were. We know exactly what we were thinking. Uh, at, at first, we couldn't believe it. You know, when the first plane hit the tower, it was thought by the commentators that it must have been an accident. Right. And uh, and I, I was uh, watching this morning. I was doing my usual monitoring. Uh, Fox had an excellent summary of the day. And, and with, with the interviews that were, were done that day, and when the first plane hit, one of the experts they brought on was asked, do you think this is an act of terrorism? And he said, well, look at the picture. The sky is clear. I mean, any any pilot approaching that area would have seen the World Trade Center. He said, of course. I mean, this was intentional. And then when the second tower was hit, right. uh, th there was never any question about it. Uh, it, it, was, it, 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 it was a day that reminded everybody, especially the people who were adults then, of Pearl Harbor. A very similar reaction, but this was even closer because right. Pearl Harbor was a Navy base on a territory. Hawaii was not yet a state. This was the, well, the first attacks in New York were in our premier city in the United States on the mainland. And then, of course, the Pentagon. And then, of course, uh, Flight 93, which w w which went down. Uh, and by the day, the time the day was over, the word terrorism was on everybody's lips. Right. No, it's amazing. I, I was thinking, you know, 22 years, just going back and, and doing a little uh, remembering. That would have been if if we were talking about Pearl Harbor, that would have been 1963. Just just to. to yes, that's that, right. To, to 20 years later. Now, I know 1963 uh, would have been. Well, I guess President Kennedy had not been assassinated. Yes. Yet, so. Yes, he would have. Uh, tw uh, for 22 oh, right. years. 22 years, it's 20, 22 years from Pearl Harbor would have uh, uh, been... Well, not quite, not quite, because he was assassinated in November, but... In November. But, yeah. But but if but 22 years from Pearl Harbor, uh, which was in December... Oh, that's right, that's right. would have, right. Would have been right. December of, of, of uh, right, 1963, right. yeah. and it would have been several weeks after his assassination. Right, I, yes, I, I was thinking September 11th, you're exactly right, that was November yes. 22nd. But my point uh, about saying that, that it's not a very long time, you know, 20, 22 years, I guess 22 years after Pearl Harbor, there were still men in their mid to late 40s who were young, very young men, maybe serving the country uh, back then. But what I find most remarkable about today, now there, are, there were many ceremonies uh, across the country, and I do think people, people, you know, people are interested in remembering, but I thought it was very strange that President Biden was not around any any celebration. I, I know he's on a on a tour or a business trip, I guess, in in uh, wherever he was. But I, it, Vietnam, I guess he was. It just seems to me unusual that for the first time that the president was not around. I mean, there have been other times when not only you had 
President Obama, but President Bush was there. I don't know if President Bush attended any of the ceremonies. So it, it just seems like an unusual, a lot of the, the memories, a lot of the things that you remember, you didn't see today. Now, I I was, I think we were very fortunate that President Bush was in the White House that day because I thought he handled things quite well. But it just seems like, I mean, you were talking about what you remember. I remember watching the, the discussion of the first plane too. And it took me to a, to something I had read years ago that there was a an Aerolinas Argentinas, a, a plane from Argentina that was flying to New York uh, in the mid 70s that had to make a course correction or they would have crashed against the World Trade Center. And they, they never got close enough to be dangerous, but that's what it reminded me of having read that. But I saw the second plane hit the, the tower. And when I saw that, I said, hey, this is, this is something different. We, we, this is not an accident. This is an act of whatever terrorism. And, and that's another thing, Bill, too, looking back at it now, how different the conversation was back then. Uh, the way we, we think of the police officers, the way we think of, of the firemen, they're, they're, it just seemed like, you know, a totally, it seemed like a much longer time than 22 years ago, Bill. Well, yes, it uh, it does, because it seems that the, the culture has changed. Um, on that day, actually, President Bush, uh, who was, by the way, a new president, he had only been inaugurated that January. And uh, he was actually not in the White House. He was in Florida uh, visiting a school. And uh, he was informed of, of what happened. And he made a statement uh, uh, from Florida. Then he took off and, and nobody knew where he was going. They didn't say immediately that he was going back to Washington because they didn't know what the circumstances were going to be. Uh, there really was concern that the White House would be hit. And of course, the Pentagon was hit. Um, Flight uh, 93 that went down uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, I, I don't know if they're absolutely sure where it was heading. It was heading for Washington, D.C., but I'm not sure they know exactly what the target was. But it was brought down by the, its passengers uh, who tried to take over the plane after the hijacking. Uh, I think that, by and large, we've done a pretty good job of remembering 9-11, but I do find it odd that in all the comm commemorations that I watched this morning, and I, I use, do my usual scanning of the news operations, nobody would, would identify the enemy. You know, uh, it, was, it was an attack by nobody. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I guess it's, it's, I guess political correctness has truly set in. And the, the perspective that we have on 9-11, one of the commentators was saying this morning, well, let's look what happened afterward. We got involved in Iraq, didn't do too well there, got involved in Afghanistan. And he said, and he, I, have, I have to say, he's absolutely right. We went after the people who attacked us on November 11th, uh, on, on September 11th, by going into Afghanistan, because that's where they were based. Mm -hmm. And yet, years later, they are still in charge of Afghanistan after all the American effort. Mm -hmm. And you have to, re you do have to reflect on whether we acted wisely or whether we we did not stay long enough or whether we were not prepared to endure. But the uh, uh, abandonment of Afghanistan, I think, is going to stand as one of the most important moments uh, in modern American political history because it signaled to the world that we can't get things done. Right. And, and that we run away from our allies. 
And that is one of the worst things that can happen to a country. And it is it, it is happening to this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I was fascinated also by the fact that while we honored the first responders uh, in the uh, events of this morning, there was very little said about all the people in the war on terror who were sent overseas, some of whom were killed, uh, the military units, the specific ships. Uh, you know, uh, in World War II, which I guess became kind of the iconic war to Americans, Americans knew individual ships, they knew individual units. Here it was kind of vague. And I think uh, Kamala Harris stood there. She was fine, didn't do anything destructive. Uh, she was standing with a former Mayor Bloomberg, which I thought was interesting, and the current mayor, uh, Mayor Adams. It's interesting that uh, Mayor Giuliani was not there. Right, yeah, especially given his role. Yes. In, in, in what happened that day. I, you know, it, it, I'm sure that someday there will be 23 and 25 and 30, 35 and 40 anniversaries, just like there is with, with Pearl Harbor. This is one, of course, like you say, that we all remember because it was, I mean, I had kids in school when this happened. Um, you know, and it was so interesting uh, being concerned about them uh, and picking them up and that kind of thing. I mean, it, it brought it home uh, in a very unique way. I was thinking about my parents are over here. My kids are over here. My wife is over here. My brother's over here. I, I had basically calculated in my mind where everybody was. And in case we had, we all had to take drastic action and I'll never forget the skies bill uh, that afternoon. And for several days after there wasn't a single plane in the sky. That's right. All traffic was stopped. That's right. And that's amazing. I would think, especially there in New York, where you you have a lot of planes. Here in the Dallas area, there's a lot of planes, too, because, you know, the DFW airport is one of the busiest in the country. And at nights, you can just see all these planes lining up, you know, the little little lights of the planes. And, you know, for several days, I think longer than several days, maybe even a couple of weeks, there wasn't a single plane up in the air. And I, I just thought that was spooky to look out the window, look out the backyard and look at the back, normally you see a bunch of planes, you know, nothing. I and thought it, that was amazing. I think it's amazing also that they were able to shut down the entire air system, have every plane on the ground, uh, and there was no panic, there was no horrible confusion that was handled very well. Today, if you, if you, get, a, if you get a crowded day, you know, you see cancellation after cancellation, not enough pilots, not enough this. Uh, can't get the planes off the, off the ground on time. I don't know what's happened to our air system, but somebody better find out. Somebody better find out because a lot of people fly it. <laughs> yeah, they, they sure do. And that, but anyway, memories of 9-11. Um, I'm not sure when we'll stop talking about it, but I know I never will because it really hit me. Uh, that day. I mean, it, it's just remarkable. About this time, that would have been mid-afternoon. We were all kind of collecting our thoughts. I have to admit, Bill, that I, I thought there'd be more attacks. Uh, and that's why I was concerned about my parents and my my family, because, you know, I thought there might be more attacks. I thought some tunnels would blow up, uh, especially there in New York with so many tunnels. I thought some sky, you know, skyscraper type buildings would suffer more attacks, if not airplanes, but at least maybe, you know, dirty bombs or something. It it just seemed like we, I expected a lot worse to happen. And I give a lot of credit, not just to President Bush and everybody else, but the the men and women running our, 
our operations everywhere. I mean, everybody yeah. did a fabulous job that day, Bill. Yeah, they were, you know, they say that was the day in which we were one country. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't last. But uh, I think, yes, you saw American ingenuity and you saw American know-how at work. That uh, It didn't stop the attacks. It didn't prevent them. And there are some very legitimate questions that can be asked about as to what the investigative agencies were doing before the attacks and whether they were effective. And the answer is obviously not completely. Yes. Uh, uh, and many of those same questions are being asked today about the same agencies. That's right. So, That's, so. But I, I, I do like what you said about Afghanistan because, you know, the idea that we fought that war and we basically kept that country, you know, it was never a perfect country, but the fact that we were there, I think, did kept some peace. And then we walk out and we may have to go back now because Afghanistan is returning to its old ways. And Absolutely. Who, who would have believed that except people maybe like you and me who understand that just because we go away, the enemies don't. Well, isn't and isn't it interesting that one of the characteristics of the new Afghanistan, uh, we'll put that in quotes, is a suppression of women's rights. One of the first things that, and yet not a word out of the mouths of the so-called women's movement right. in the United States. Not one word. Yeah, who what? would have believed that they were going to put women back in, in that terrible status they had before? Who would have believed that? I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, but that's what they did. I mean, there's a, a young woman here in the area who I was talking to, and she was going to school there. And she was able to get out. But she's, she was concerned about some of her friends who can no longer attend uh, schools. You know, they, they, they've really pushed uh, women back. And what a terrible thing that that uh, turned out to be. But, Bill, of course, there's a lot more news and we want to get to. But I want to begin with uh, the wonderful state of New Mexico, our neighbor here to the <laughs> to the I guess our neighbor to the west. Yeah, I'll yes. to the people's, uh, Repu- the people's Republic of New Mexico. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they, they've decided to, you know, I guess they, they decided that the, uh, the governor decided to uh, issue an emergency that basically does away with your Second Amendment. Now, she's not going to get away with it, I, I don't think. No, but, she won't. Uh, so it'll crash in the courts. But Bill, what amazes me is once again uh, how little these people really know about crime. And the crime happening in their cities. Uh, there's a couple in our church from New Mexico, and I was asking them about this on Sunday. And he said that there's a crime wave in Albuquerque. Uh, doesn't that yes. sound familiar? I mean, there's a yes. crime in just about every city run by yes. these people. And it's the same thing. They want to blame guns. You know, did you know, Bill, that guns go off by themselves in New Mexico? I, yes. I didn't know that. Yes, it's a, it's a special model that Smith & Wesson makes. And you just you just look at it and it goes off and it shoots your neighbor. I mean, it, it's so... Look, there's, there's there are arguments to be made for any number of, of things that people want to do uh, about, about, about uh, guns being used in crime. Some are good arguments, some are bad. But for goodness sake... The, the, as you pointed out, the guns are not pulling their own triggers. They're being pulled by people and often in very specific communities. And these left wingers will not say it. They just will not say it. And they are doing a great disservice to the very people they claim to be helping. Uh, I mean, look, look at the look at the letter that was written by the Oakland, California NAACP just a few weeks ago saying, help us. We're being drowned out by crime, and nobody has responded. Not not 
one person has has responded in the, on the political left and say this anti-cop uh, stuff has to stop. We've got to get this crime under control. Right. Not one. You would have thought that the governor of New Mexico now. From what my friends from New Mexico are telling me, it, it's a poor state. It, it doesn't have a lot of resources. But this this would have been a great opportunity to go to the White House and say, look, I need help. I really need help. Uh, you guys have got to help me, if necessary, bring in more resources. Uh, but she's decided to, to to go after people. The uh, the people who are who are being told they cannot carry guns are not the ones killing. That's right. That's it's the amazing the, thing. I mean, it's the responsible people, citizens. Yes. Yeah, so these people, I, there's a cartoon. Well, it's not really a cartoon, but basically saying that the people in New Mexico who are thrilled with this are the criminals because now if they break into your house, you cannot defend yourself. That's exactly or, or right. something like that. But this is happening in so many other places. And I guess it happens because they get, they're being reelected. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, New Mexico is primarily a Democrat state, and these people get reelected. And well, I, I guess well, as long as they get reelected, well, they, they well, can get away with these things. Uh, maybe, maybe it's time for the Republican Party to recognize that New Mexico exists and that you can fight a, a battle uh, in a state like that where, where people are suffering from crime. Uh, in his earlier days, before recent difficulties, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, said uh, about crime in New York, it has to stop. And he took every action conceivable that was right. And the murder rate in New York under Giuliani and uh, his successor, Mayor Bloomberg, the murder rate went down 80%, 80%. You'd think people would say, well, how did they do it? Maybe we can copy that. But it's all based on ideology. Nobody really wants... On the, on the left wants to solve the problem. In fact, I think they rather like high crime rates, but they never talk in terms of results. It's always in terms of the ideology. Well, and, the the governor of New Mexico, Bill, was saying that she has to protect uh, an 11-year-old girl or 11-year-old boy who was apparently killed outside a baseball stadium. Yes. Well, okay, I, I, I sympathize with that too, but what was the person doing with a gun at a baseball stadium? That's right. I mean... Maybe they should look into that bill. Uh, yes, and 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 for for her to think that her banning laws and and and, and all these other things are going to save anybody is ridiculous. As you said, the people doing the killing are not going to be terribly interested in what the law says. Right. No, I tell you, I, this is really sad. What's happening in New Mexico? The good news is, I guess she's she's catching a lot of flack for this. A lot even of even yeah. even from her own party. Yes, and uh, there's a fellow, I guess, named Ted Lou. I don't yes. know where he's a congressman, I think, from California. Uh, but this is ridiculous. The idea that you know we're going to fix the the crime problem by making it easier for the criminals to use guns. I mean, yes, that's the that's the level of genius we're dealing with today. Yes, and 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 it, again, it has never worked. You know, I'm always enraged when I see these situations develop where a police officer may or may not have acted wrongly and uh, an African-American is, is killed. And immediately out of the woodwork comes the crowd. You know, Brianna Taylor, say her name. Brianna, say her name. Each week in this country, wonderful, innocent black children are being murdered by their neighbors. Nobody ever says anything about their names. It doesn't fit the party line. 
If right. it doesn't fit the party line, it doesn't get mentioned. And you know who actually said what you just said? Bill Maher, of all people. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the fellow at HBO, who is making a lot of sense lately. And he, he basically says, look, I never left the Democrat Party. You know, he says that's not liberalism, that a lot of this woke stuff is not liberalism. That's He's right. exactly right about that. Because I remember liberals growing up with liberals and, you know, having liberal friends and sometimes debating them. But we were never debating, you know, defund the police. No. You know, we were never, def- you know, applauding people who broke into a, a store and stole things in the name of social justice. We, you know, that, you know, that that was not that was not something unacceptable, Bill. And and now today, they're heroes, they're victims. And well, that's it. And and and. You're quite right. What we have today in the Democratic Party is the left. We don't have liberalism. The liberalism of the Democratic Party, first of all, was a national defense liberalism. They always put national defense first. And it was liberals who led the country in terms of uh, the administrations through the Second World War, through the most of the Cold War, uh, through the uh, buildup of NATO. Uh, that was that was a very important part of liberalism, that the first responsibility was to defend the country. The, the so-called liberals today, today don't even believe in national defense, and every time they touch it, they do harm, like trying to impose woke politics on the service academies. I right. mean, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I'll hear their argument, but the purpose of the military is to prevent wars by being so strong that nobody will attack us. And they don't even talk about that. No, they don't. It's ridiculous uh, what they're doing to the military. Well, as long as we're talking about the Democrats, let's go to our next topic, which is the mayor of of New York City. I I understand he's cutting back budgets uh, because, I mean, I understand why he doesn't have money. So they're cutting back budgets and they're cutting back, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're cutting back overtime pay for policemen who are understaffed you got these men out there working overtime because they don't have enough policemen and they're cutting that back bill is that correct well the mayor is putting on a show and he is saying and and, and to a degree I, i i i think there may be something in what he's doing he's he wants to show new yorkers by actual acts the impact of the policies they have chosen and he's you know in other words instead of saying well, you know, if we, I have a chart here, and if, if if we don't stop this in 35 years, there'll be no city. He's saying, I got, I have to take these actions. You're going to have fewer people on the street, uh, fewer cops on the street. You're going to have fewer teachers in the classrooms. You're going to have less of this, less of that. Uh, you're going to have fewer food inspections. And he's saying it's going to happen right now. And I have to say, I would love to know what the reaction of New Yorkers is going to be. Well, we know that the the more affluent New Yorkers are leaving the city. They're just leaving the city in droves and ta- taking with them their enormous contributions to the tax base of New York City. I don't know what will happen now when actual actions are being taken because he is saying uh, we need help with the migrants. Uh, we can't do this alone and nobody is helping. Now, the, I'm sure at the White House they're they're going to go back to and remind uh, the president of what Gerald Ford as president said in the early 1970s when New York was going bankrupt for entirely different reasons and he wouldn't help. And the New York Daily News came out with that headline, Ford to City, Drop Dead. And it did hurt. It did hurt Ford. There's no question about it. So 
maybe the, the federal government will step in, but what will they do? They're, they're all they're all so bound to the ideology that they'll say, oh, we, we'll 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 give you a little subsidy, uh, but you have to take all the the migrants we send you. Right. Well, and, and and that's not what they're looking for. Right now, now I understand that President Biden or in the White House, the geniuses in the White House are now trying to come up with stay in Texas. Uh, yes. Which uh, which I'm the the governor has already Governor Abbott of Texas has already fought back saying, well, you tried that before and we beat you in the courts. Uh, so, I mean, it's so insane what, what you're seeing out of this White well, House. Because point, yes. I would love to know, Bill, I mean, if President Biden was was here, I would say, Mr. President, who exactly is benefiting from your border policy? I mean, tell me, tell me who's benefiting. Are, well, is, in their minds, the Democratic Party is benefiting because they believe all these people are going to be grateful to the Democratic Party for letting them in and they will vote Democratic. And that that may, there may be some truth to that, but I believe that that kind of thinking can result in an enormous backfire. Let me give you an example. I think that there's an awful lot of premature predictions of what will happen to Donald Trump when he goes on trial. That, well, obviously, all these people in the big cities uh, who are of color are going to vote with the prosecutors and vote with, and they're going to they're stick it to Trump. The fact is Trump is pretty popular among many of these people and getting more popular. And they may, I heard a, a young African-American gentleman when Trump was in Florida being indicted and he was out greeting Trump with, with signs, welcoming signs. And a, a reporter asked, why are, you, why are you cheering Donald Trump? And he said, because they're doing to him what they did to us. And that was very interesting because to them in this case is, is black officials and yet they didn't identify with the black officials. Right. And the other thing, the other thing too, Bill, is that many of these black officials are not exactly the cleanest people. Oh, no. In town. I mean, this guy in New York, uh, the right. lady in, in Georgia, apparently she has quite a. Quite oh, a she has quite a. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. does so, she I ever? mean, the, I mean, you there's a where was that fellow a Democrat who was who was complaining about that they stole the election from him within the Democrat Party? There's there's another situation too, and that's what's happening with Robert Kennedy. Yeah, that they're not they're, they're not going to debate him. They're not going to let him debate. And I keep asking myself, you know, when is Robert Kennedy going to say, you know what, you don't want me to debate? I'm just going to go on my own. And, well, and yeah. be, mm -hmm. I, I, he's got the resources, he's got the name, and you know they'll put him in any. I mean, he's on every every time I turn on the TV, there's Robert Kennedy talking. I mean, the guy is getting maybe as much free media as boy. I mean, as Trump did in 2016, Bill. That's exactly right. And look, unfortunately, he's not the greatest candidate, Kennedy, but but he is demonstrating how closed the Democratic Party is. That it, it's, it, it's I'm always amused because this is the party with the McGovern rules in the early 70s who tried to democratize each person in the party shall have a vote and we shall have a democracy democratic conventions with a small d and no more no more bosses well it seems to me the bosses are running the party and and they're running everybody else out of the party not exactly progress not progress at all of course that great memory of uh candidate george mcgovern speaking at three o'clock in the morning that's right because everybody in that convention had to get up and give a speech so the the main attraction didn't came when half of the country was uh, most of the country was sleeping, I suppose, by that time. Yeah. Well, President Biden, Bill, uh, was in, uh, I think he was in Vietnam. 
He was cracking a few jokes about the movie Good Morning Vietnam. He was even made a reference to a John Wayne movie. Yeah. Uh, he made, I think the movie is called The Horse Soldiers. I like that movie, by the way. Yeah, right. It's a good movie. I remember watching that. Uh, the lady who, the woman, or the, 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 the actress who has the prominent role in that movie, I can't think of her name, but she's a very, very pretty, very pretty lady. Can't think of her name. But anyway, um, he, he said a few things. And at one point, basically, they ended the conference. They just said, okay, it's over. Everybody go home. And, and they're just like that, Bill. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, how, that's it. It's incredible. I mean, I, I didn't watch it live, but I saw the, the clips. I don't remember anything like that happening before, Bill. No, they, they treat him like a child at the White House. I mean, you know, it's like mommy and daddy are here, and now it's time to go home. And uh, this is, it is so embarrassing. And as many people have observed, it's going to get worse. It, it, this is not something that gets better. And I think there is a panic within the Democratic Party. But as soon as they start to panic, they also begin to realize that if some way could be found to move the president out of the way, we have Kamala Harris, who's even worse in the polls. They really are in a terrible situation. Right. No, they really are. And she's, she's not doing anything to help herself. I understand that she was having an interview here in the last few days, and she got all tangled up in the question of abortion and late-term abortion. Yes, that's right. And, uh, you know, she just couldn't. You would think by now that most Democrats would have an answer for that because they're going to get it. Uh, but no, that she didn't. She got all bent out of shape. They asked her about abortion. She said, no, I guess she said no limits on abortion. And then the commentator said, well, does that mean late term abortion? And then I don't know what she said, but I think she was trying to say that there's no such thing as a late term abortion, but whatever she was trying to say, she didn't help herself. Bill. Well, what, what, yeah, what, what they asked her, it was uh, Brennan at the CBS who asked her, at what week should abortions stop? A very specific question. She wanted the week. And Harris said, we must restore the protections of Roe v. Wade. And Brennan asked the same question again. She said, yes, but at what week? And Harris said, we must restore the protections of Roe v. Wade. And she got stuck in that little scratch on the record and just kept on repeating that line, which obviously had been given to her, not realizing that when you're asked a question like that, you have to answer it intelligently other, or else you come off like a fool, which is exactly what she came off as. Yeah. Now, when Roe v. Wade came out, I remember the headline, but I don't remember all the details. Uh, when Roe v. Wade came out, I don't remember that Roe v. Wade said unlimited abortion or, or that you can have an abortion until the last week. I, I, they kept talking about viability. Yes. Uh, they, they, I don't ever remember... Roe v. Wade saying that you can have an abortion at any time in the pregnancy. I think there was always an understanding that there would be some limits, but the Democrats have, have put themselves in this corner where unless they say what she said, I guess the checks don't come, Bill. That's right, because the far left in the party wants no restrictions at all on abortion up until the moment of birth. And, and by the way, that is the law in New York State, and they just don't want to admit that. Because that is really unpopular. I That's mean, right. And, and, and if they said that, then, then they get into a, an internal war in the Democratic Party, which they can't afford right now. Look, they don't really have any issues. I mean, they, they, abortion is their issue. 
They, they will go back to the 60s and run on the abortion issue. Now, if Trump is the nominee, well, they'll say, well, he's a criminal and he's, do you want this kind of a man in the White House? But you know, it is quite possible that Trump may surprise them by, I don't think he will be acquitted of charges, but all it takes is one juror to hang a jury. And he could have a series of hung juries. And then what do they do? That's you know, right. They can't present him as a criminal. Well, they've thrown everything at him. That's yes. the problem they're in. I mean, they, you know, they're like the, 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 the baseball manager who's used everybody in the bullpen. And now they, the game keeps going and he's only got one guy left. And, and the guy, uh, you know, can't throw strikes anymore. But I mean, they've thrown everything at, at Trump in, a, yes. in an unbelievable way. And the, and the guy's still standing, uh, 44-44 in the, in the RCP average with Joe Biden. Now, I, I think that poll says a lot of things. It also says that a lot of Americans don't want these two choices. That's right. But, but it also says that at least if that's the choice, it's a dead heat at the moment. One last thing I wanted to uh, talk about, Bill, an article that came out by Professor Victor Davis Hanson. I always enjoy reading him. His articles are very long, but I always enjoy reading him because the man is so, so smart. And he wrote an article today, uh, or I, I guess in the last couple of days, that the left, in his opinion, Professor Hanson fears that, or the left fears that some of the tactics that they're using against or they've used against President Trump are going to come back to haunt them, are going to come back to them. And uh, one of the things that he said in the article, which is kind of funny, he said, I guess it's okay now for the vice president to bring his son on Air Force Two when his son is doing business uh, uh, around the world with countries the vice president monitors. And it's funny, but that's the door they've opened, Bill. Absolutely. And and they going after Trump the way they did gave the Republican Party a little bit of, uh, of, of, of zest to go after Biden. And many of the tactics are, are, are essentially the same. Um, I, I think that it, the, the coming weeks are going to be so fascinating because they're going to try to start the pretrial uh, proceedings against Trump in Georgia. Georgia is clearly the place where the greatest zealotry is because the DA there wants to be governor and probably higher. Uh, and it's, it's a very left-wing office. And they really believe that they're going to nail him. I uh, Look, I could be very wrong. I think they're going to wind up with hung juries. Well, I, look, I, I, I think personally, I, I, I think they... They've overplayed their card and or overreached or whatever the expression is. And I think a lot of Americans are saying, I don't like Trump. I don't really like him. But what you're doing is is worse. And it's the old idea that, you know, we don't want to destroy the country to destroy Trump. And, and I do think there is some of that going on where people are saying this is too much. I mean, the idea that you're going to have trials during elections. I, I mean, that's just and. Another one of the things that the professor mentioned in his article, Bill, and I think this is going to start happening soon, by the way, and that is district attorneys in, let's say, more red areas beginning to file lawsuits against Democrats. Yes. Uh, And, you know, you all of a sudden you have a district attorney somewhere in Texas. Uh, Not that I know of of, of a specific case, but I'm just saying Texas or Alabama or whatever, filing a lawsuit (laughs) against, uh, let's say, a former president that we all know. And uh, it's about maybe the, those guns going to Mexico and the number of people who were killed. 
or or maybe the IRS, you know, stuff like that. I'm not saying I want this bill, but this is the world they've created, and that's what Professor Hansen is saying, Bill. Well, it is. Uh, you know, the uh, very often the very tactics that you develop and think and think is so important start getting used against you, and then well, it's a perfect perfect example of that. By the way, is uh, cancel culture, which is really modern McCarthyism. There isn't a dime's worth of difference between cancel culture and McCarthyism. And I think that people who are involved with cancel culture are suddenly realizing it isn't very popular around the country. No, and it, and it's going to come back to hurt them. And and because if, if you can cancel this, you can cancel this. And it, it just becomes a crazy, crazy situation. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time, as always. Absolutely wonderful to chat with you. Uh, I can say this about New York. Neither baseball team has a shot at the postseason this year. That's and right. That's, that's got to be driving New Yorkers crazy because they've always had a decent team in New York, but not this year, Bill. New York is in terrible condition. And, and I, I've heard from people who know New York real estate from a banking perspective, and they say there's no route back. That's the problem. Nobody can figure out what to do. Right. Uh, and we, we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. That's right. And maybe that's why the mayor is throwing these Hail Marys. Yes. You know, <laughs> saying, hey, guys, you know, I, I'm going to throw a Hail Mary just to tell you how crazy things are. Uh, and it, it's remarkable. Who would have believed uh, any of this? Uh, New Mexico or Chicago? In Chicago, they're blaming the car manufacturers for <laughs> for the increase in car hi hijackings yes. or whatever. It's amazing. Yeah, and uh, Kia and what's the other one? What's the other one? Oh, is it Hyundai? Uh, one of those. One they're, of those. Too, they're too easy to steal. That's right. <laughs> it only, but it only happens in Chicago. It doesn't happen yes. in in other places. Apparently, yes. the Kias in Texas have extra locks. They they have yes they have a, they, it's a secret model. Right. Secret, <laughs> the yes, one that goes to model. Chicago is maybe the the one that is easier to break into. That's right. That's the, the, the one that comes everywhere else. Uh, you cannot break into and. But I mean, what a tragedy that we've come to that. New Mexico, Chicago, Mayor Adams, what a what a tragedy. Hopefully, hopefully there are better signs or better days coming. Bill, have a great day and thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you, Silvio. Looking forward to next time. All right. Thank you so much. Our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. We chat with him on, on Mondays to get a perspective. And I always love his input on New York City because what's happening in New York matters to all of us. It is, after all. Uh, you know, the biggest city in the country, tremendous, tremendous influence uh, on the on the rest of us uh, as well. And of course, today being ha September 11th, we uh, took a, a few minutes to remember that very important day. And I'll never forget it. I remember exactly where I was. I mean, that was one of those days where you can remember where you were at four o'clock in the afternoon. That is how uh, how remarkable that was. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye, everybody.